It's that wonderful bit of the football season when the sun is generally shining and the heat is on. Teams stay up and teams go down, often in dramatic fashion. Trophies are won and lost, hearts are broken and memories are made. This is the time for dreams, but it's also the time for nightmares. And we love it. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. I have a dream team again today. The data doctor, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal, has been repainting the XG robots in time for the home stretch. Jake, let's start with this week's big European final. We've got Eintracht Frankfurt against Rangers in Seville to see who wins the Europa League. It's maybe not the final we expected, but in a way that's fantastic because you've got two terrific traditional clubs, passionate fan bases. And I think it's important that these are two clubs that actually were in the Europa League from the start and didn't just drop in from elsewhere. Makes a nice change, doesn't it? We've had a fair few of those drop-ins made the final uh, over the last couple of years. So, yeah, nice change for sure. And um, I think it's going to be a really interesting final to watch. Um, It'll be a lot of tactics, um, making things very tight and nervy. Uh, That's what I'm expecting from a Rangers standpoint, because that's something that we have seen from them, particularly playing away from Ibrox in the Europa League so far this season. So, um, you know, they they have the capability of making games very tight, making it very difficult for their opponents to create chances. We saw that uh, away at Lyon. Uh, We saw that in the last round uh, away at Leipzig. Um, And yeah, I'm fully expecting something similar here. And, uh, you know, I think Frankfurt rightly favourites to lift the trophy. Uh, but they themselves, I mean, they, they've been on an extraordinary run in the Europa League. They're actually unbeaten uh, across the 12 European, uh, Europa League games. They've won seven of those. Um, and while there have been chances at both ends, it's, I think it's really interesting that Frankfurt have managed to score in all 12 matches in the Europa League. So they, they've got no problem finding the net whatsoever. Um, but having said that, and given the, the XG totals, um, over two and a half goals has landed in just 50% of their matches in the Europa League. It's down at 43% for Rangers. So... Um, yeah, I, I think given all that, given the stats that I've just laid out and the fact that Rangers have shown a capability to keep games tight, um, pleasantly surprised given that this is a final as well and there's so much on the line. Uh, and we saw that just at the weekend, didn't we, in the in the FA Cup final. I know there was, there was a fair few chances, but um, you know, it looks after 70 minutes, it, the game got a little bit tight, a little bit constricted and, uh, and neither team wanted to lose it. I think this could be very similar. If it's still tight and cagey uh, after 50, 60 minutes, I expect it to stay that way. So I, I was ple- pleasantly surprised to see under two and a half goals trading at odds against on the exchange. Um, and that's that's where I'll be putting my money in this. I think uh, we've seen this quite a lot with big finals over the last couple of years. Obviously, the, in, in England, we've seen the Carabao and the FA Cup finals. Both this season and last season feature just one or no goals. Uh, Champions League final, obviously, last season was a one niller. The Europa League final was 1-1. And I don't see any reason to change tactic uh, when it comes to the big occasion here. Odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe is with us once again. Stinch, it's a really interesting one, this, because Frankfurt 2.44 to win the game in 90 minutes, 1.78 to win the trophy altogether. I think some people will look at their form in the Bundesliga and say, well, they seem like a mid-table average team. Why are we so worried about them? But the bare truth of it is they've junked the league season. 
to really focus on this. And this is what their fans wanted them to do. They wanted them to fully focus on this. They've had a, a whale of a time in this European adventure. They <laughs> were able to colonise Camp Nou, tens of thousands of them getting into the stadium for that second leg against Barcelona. And so it's important not to be distracted by their domestic form, isn't it? I have to say, as a as a better and a, as a regular punter, it is quite difficult to try and sift through what is kind of noise and what is actually accurate data when you're trying to look at the comparison between league ability and European ability. And then you throw in the fact that you're right, they have kind of chucked in the league a little bit and focused on Europe. So then you have to, you know, which which data am I excluding and can I exclude it kind of thing. So it is quite difficult to sift through. So often you can sort of rely on closing prices. Um, that's probably a good a good place to start because that they kind of done the work for you, you know, the professional syndicates and the, and the Asian betters, they've kind of done that work for you. And, and the closing price is a very good representation of true ability. Um, but I have to say, I have to say, I'm quite, I think I'm quite happy with the, with the match odds and to lift the trophy, as Jake mentioned, Frankfurt unbeaten in Europe and Rangers really surprising. They've lost five games yet. They're in a final. And I don't think you could do that in any other competition. I think because the, with the Europa League, you do get a lot of teams that don't actually give it their full commitment. So they are weaker in terms of the group and, and you get maybe two sort of more dominant teams in the group. And then you have the um, volatility of clubs dropping out of the, of the Champions League, but maybe they've dropped out of the Champions League because they've got an injury crisis or they are like in turn focusing on the league. So I think you get these nuances of, of, of losing games, but making finals. So yeah, I, I think I'm okay with the, with the match odds. Uh, Jake mentioned the, the over-under line. I had a quick look. Since uh, the UEFA Cup became the Europa League, we've had 12 Europa League finals. Nine have been settled in normal time, one after extra time and two on penalties. But we've seen 35 goals in, in the 90 minutes, which is uh, nearly three a game, which was quite surprised to see. But the over-under split is fairly equal. Seven have gone overs and five have gone unders. So I'm not... Uh, necessarily saying there's any sort of trend so it definitely makes sense to kind of ignore that and just focus on the teams in question as, as Jake's kind of done I think it's really interesting under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst he's had 10 games in the Europa League six have been over 2.5 goals four have been unders three of those were away from Ibrox and I think that's quite key it suggests there's a bit more of a pragmatic approach and obviously that Ibrox crowd I think is very similar to Anfield is, is real can really make a difference I mean the fact they've knocked out both Leipzig and Dortmund over two legs I think is an incredible achievement <clears throat> and um, yeah I think if they can you know get the, the German treble essentially by by defeating Frankfurt here I think it's an unbelievable achievement especially when you you know you switch managers halfway through the season and dealing with the fact that no Morelos uh, Kimar Roos been absent as well uh, he's kind of innovated the formation like in against Leipzig he, he kind of played Lundstrom as a defender then he also slotted him in midfield as well so I think he deserve, deserves a lot of lot of credit so yeah um really 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 tight in terms of uh, trying to find some edge in the, the the main prices had a look at some goal scorers and I think James Tavernier for me is such a fascinating one every time you look at the final score on the you know live score or whatever at the end of the weekend <laughs> he's always name's, on it his name's always there and you're like how is this sustainable from right back not right wing back right back um it's absolutely he's got seven incredible. goals hasn't he in the Europa League isn't he the top scorer 
Yeah, since the knockout stages, he's a top scorer. So he's got 16 goals in all across league in Europe, which I thought was actually a bit low, actually, based on what I just said. But, you know, maybe <laughs> it's just one of those things, you know, that gets in your head that, oh, you know, Tavernier must have scored kind of thing. But 10 of those 16 are penalties. And I think that's really, really key. He's 4-1 to one to score here anytime. So I was thinking, is there some juice in it? And I think I've decided that there isn't, basically. I think when you have a goal scorer, when the majority of their goals are coming on penalties, I feel like you're not really backing that player to score. You're kind of backing the team to score a penalty, essentially. So I don't really feel you've got the open play on your side and if you look at the odds Rangers are five to one to score a penalty which is obviously a bigger price than that four to one so yeah I don't think there's much juice in in that price and, and that kind of brings me nicely on the onto the ref to be honest it's, it's Slavko Vincic from Slovenia now he's ref 10 games in Europe this season he's only given one penalty so I think that kind of lends itself to the fact that okay if, if you don't fancy Tavernier at four to one anytime which I don't then okay maybe I can try and be a bit cleverer and I could look at maybe back in Rangers to score a penalty at five to one but yeah I think the sort of you know you go through kind of like a checklist of reasons to back and not back a bet and I think yeah the final nail really is him only giving one penalty this season is is the reason not to so looking at him in terms of cards he's given 46 yellows and three reds in his, in his 10 games so you got you know a 49 cards so you got an average there of 4.9 Kind of surprised to see the line quite 50-50, five to six the pair on 4.5 for a, for a massive final. Um, I say massive final, I guess most finals are massive, but you know, this is Euro- European between yeah. two very historic clubs. Um, so I, th- I think that I think there's a lot of juice in, in backing over 4.5 cards. It's above the, it's, it's the referee's averages above and obviously the referee's, you know, he's not refed finals. So I feel like, you know, you should apply a bit of a, a final factor, if you like, and, and that average, in my mind, should creep up. I do think it's worth pointing out that he did ref both the Man United at Letty and Bayern Villarreal second legs, and he only showed four and three cards, respectively. So maybe there's something to be slightly concerned about there. But I think in the terms of Bayern, they're not a huge uh team uh, they're not a huge team for picking up yellow cards and I think similar to Villarreal so maybe you can label the Man United Atleti maybe a little bit of a, of a one-off but still that's only one game out of a you know a reasonable spread of 10 so yeah I think I found, I found this game very difficult in terms of trying to find a, a good bet and I thought maybe the over 4.5 cards was was ultimately the way to go. Tavernier, by the way, uh, 2.5 in our new score or assist market as well. But uh, worth bearing in mind what Stinch has said uh, about the uh, penalties. Obviously, that can inflate somebody's tally and uh, be a little bit distracting. Jake, one thing that struck me, actually, looking at this game, and I accept everything you've said absolutely about the fact it's going to be tight and we might not get many goals. But one of the things that really stood out to me about Frankfurt in the Europa League this season, they do start well. If you look at the way they played against Barcelona in Barcelona, Oliver Glasner, the coach, made the point that we wanted to go straight at them, play with power and pace, really put them on the back foot. And they won a penalty in the first four minutes of that game against West Ham. Terrific first minute of the game. Uh, scored a brilliant goal and just completely silenced that crowd. So I wonder if maybe Frankfurt to score the first goal or something like that. And that's something certainly Rangers have got to be wary of, isn't it? Those fast Frankfurt starts. 100%. Yeah, you've laid it out perfectly there, Kev. I mean, they've 
they're so quick out of the blocks. And like I said, Rangers will be aware of that. And for my under two and a half goal bet, I am kind of hoping that Rangers stay switched on early doors because an early goal will put the under two and a half under serious pressure uh, as teams, well, you, got, you have to open up an attack at that point. Um, but it's definitely something to bear in mind. And, and, and with Frankfurt being favourites, I would happily back them to score the first goal, whether they fast uh, start fast or not, because um, I think there's every chance of it, even if it's nil-nil at around 70 minutes, I do think that Frankfurt are the better team and they'll be the ones that are trying to create the better chances. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that this is going to be a very cagey affair. Um, like Stinch said, they've had some real problems in Europe away from Ibrox, have Rangers. And the fact that obviously this isn't a, an away game, but it's at a neutral venue. Um, I do think that puts them at a slight disadvantage compared to what the underlying figures would perhaps suggest um, overall this season. So, um, yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I do think it's going to be a very cagey, cagey affair. I, th- I think that that's the way Rangers will want it. Um, and obviously, the cager it is, the more chance you've got of some niggly fouls being committed and, and the card uh, count can rack up. So, I'm a big fan of Stinch's um, card bet there. I think that there's there's a real chance of that happening. And, and you know, the later it gets, uh, the later we go into the game, the more desperation perhaps for one team or the other, um, the more chance you've got of, of a couple of people losing their heads. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very, it's going to be a cautious game from both sides. Um, at the same time, you know, if Frankfurt do start quick, there's every chance that if Rangers weather that storm, Rangers will fancy themselves to have a good 20 minutes themselves. Um, I think we saw that. I know it's it's a different competition, but in the Premier League at the weekend between West Ham and Man City, Man City came out of the blocks in the second half, 20 minutes. They were unbelievable for 20 minutes. West Ham got through that period at 2-2 and then City really struggled to get back into that gear. Um, uh, they struggled to kick on after that because they just, you know, they expended most of their energy. And there's a case to be made there that, um, you know, that's something that Frankfurt, if they are wanting to start fast, they have to make take advantage because if, if they come out of the blocks really, really hot, don't take advantage, uh, then they need 20 minutes to catch the breath. Rangers might be able to take advantage themselves. Now, it's late in the season. I know that. But we've got a new feature for you, which I'm calling Bet Builder, Can We Tip It? Bet Builder, Yes We Can. Now, I would have sung that, but we might have had to give the BBC thousands of pounds in royalties. And I'm legally not allowed to sing in broadcast. So there we go. That's how bad my singing voice is. So how this works is the three of us are going to put together a Bet Builder for you for the Europa League final. I'm going to start and I'm going to chuck in Daichi Kamada of Eintracht Frankfurt to either score, don't know, I've made that up, uh, to have a shot on target. This is how good the price is. It's just to have a shot on target. That's all it is. Daichi Kamada to have a shot on target at 1.8. Now, he is a player that comes alive in the Europa League. You might look at his Bundesliga stats and think, well, they're a bit ordinary. In the Europa League, he comes alive. He was excellent uh, against West Ham in London, and he's played some brilliant games. He's called the winner in that first leg, and I think he's been one of Frankfurt's best players, and I think he'll get space uh, against Rangers at times. He's dangerous in between the lines, and I think just to have a shot on target in the 90 minutes at 1.8 is definitely worth a look. Stinch, I'll go with you. Yeah, just echo your Kamada shout, Kev. I think we backed him away at West Ham. I think 5.5 it was to score. So, yep. I looked at everything, really. I looked at corners, shots, um, assists, etc. But I, honestly, I, I couldn't find anything as good as what I thought that the cards were. I just thought, yeah. um, you know, a game involving uh, a European game. And I, I think... I think I'd be, if the line was at 5.5, I'd still be looking at maybe, oh yeah, there might be some um, 
there might be an edge in the over. So yeah, I think at 4.5, you've got plenty on your side. I don't think there'd be many people going, oh yeah, I'll back under 4.5 because I don't see more than four cards. So yeah, given it's 50-50, I'm, I'm happy to sort of chuck that in there and, and sort of nearly double the price. So we've got over four and a half cards. We've got Daichi Kamada to have a shot on target. Jake? Yeah, I'm just going to stick with the unders angle. Um, I think even when I hear the words cup final, I immediately think it's going to be a low scoring affair because there's so much for either team to lose and they do tend to feel each other out early doors rather than um, going trying to go for the kill. And, and especially when they're quite evenly matched teams, I think Frankfurt are marginally better than Rangers, but not by a long way. Um, I do think that, that, that if, if there was one massively inferior team, then you could potentially look at um, maybe the overs as one team really does put power the pressure on. But um, yeah, the unders just looked, it's around 1.9 on the sportsbook if we throw it in the bet builder. Um, and yeah, that just looked to, uh, a too big a price to me. I expect it to be shorter. And altogether, that is 6.1, Jake, you told me, uh, as a bet builder. So that is pretty good as it is. But my understanding is our lovely, delightful traders are going to try and give that a boost as well. So keep an eye out uh, for that. And also worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Akers and bet builders offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Akers or bet builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Akers or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Now, the Premier League title race will go to the wire if FA Cup and League Cup winners Liverpool win at Southampton on Tuesday. A victory would move the Reds uh, to within a point of the leaders, Manchester City, going into Sunday's grand finale. Jake Liverpool, the 1.42 favourites here, haven't always had things their own way against Saints, though, have they? They haven't, no, but um, I think what Stinch said maybe a month ago has, has proved to be spot on in the sense that Southampton really are... You know, sandals. They've got the they've got the sandcastles out, the towels. They are what we would call on the beach. Um, and the underlying numbers paint exactly that picture. They've they've averaged 1.29 expected goals for 2.21 against over their last 10 league matches. They've lost seven. Wow, that's of those. awful. Even it's, I know that's awful. <laughs> it's it's borderline Norwich awful, which is um yeah, it kind of goes to show that they've really just just. Thrown, not throwing the towel in because they've already succeeded at the goal. Well, they need the up. towel. If they're on the beach, they're going to need the towel, aren't they? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of analogies going on here. Isn't it? <laughs> Getting confused. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically, they've not been very good for the last 10 games. The results have said that. The underlying numbers have said that. And um, I, I do think that this is... Uh, it's a it's a bad spot for Southampton to find themselves in. Um, the fact that they, they bang out of form themselves. They've got nothing to play for. And Liverpool... They'll be coming in very hungry uh, into this game, just knowing that a win piles a lot of pressure on Manchester City, um, a City team that I thought were easily exposed in that first half um, from a defensive standpoint against West Ham. And, and you look at the final day fixture uh, against Aston Villa, and it could be very similar in the way that Villa have got the likes of Watkins, Buendia, Coutinho, Danny Ings that could potentially cause issues um, over the top of Fernandinho's head, which seemed to be the, the obvious way to play Manchester City with no Kyle Walker to sweep up. So I think that Liverpool will look at this and, you know, it's that it's that old adage of they've got to go there and win. But they, they are more than capable, even if they are missing the likes of Salah, potentially Van Dijk, who picked up Knox, of going to Southampton and just, just destroying them. Um, I, I think that's going to be the case. There are no issues creating chances away from home this season. I don't think they'll have any issues whatsoever, uh, no matter who plays in this match. So I was looking at Liverpool to cover the minus one and a half Asian handicap. So to win by two clear goals or more, around about 2.07 on the exchange. And that, I, I think that they'll go there, maybe win two or three. 
um, I was we were I was sitting and watching the City game with a Liverpool friend, and um, when they were two 0 down, he was getting all excited, thinking that Liverpool could go to Southampton and do them nine nil and just flip the whole goal difference switch, uh, meaning that it would be massively in their favour. And you know, nine nils, it's not out the realms realms of possibility, but. It's a little bit it's too It's the much. hope that kills you, Jake. It's oh, yeah. That was at 2-0. Um, that was a 2 Yeah, exactly. At 2-0, you're thinking there's a real chance that Liverpool, if they yeah. hammer Southampton, could go into the final day needing to just better uh, or equal City's result. But, you know, still, they've still got a really good chance. And, and just based on the Infogol Sims, um, the percentage chance of Liverpool winning the Premier League title actually increased by a whopping 9% at the weekend. Yeah, massive 9%. So they're now Without from, even playing. Exactly, yeah. So they're now from 4.9% uh, to 13.9% to win the title. So it's still it's still a long shot, but um, it's more likely this week than it is or than it was last week. Uh, and the same goes for the quadruple, which is up to 9% uh, from 3% last week. So a lot of things pointing in Liverpool's favour. And, uh, and, you know, I, I would not count them out of this winning this title. I think Villa are a very awkward customer, but the first thing's first, they've got to get this job done against Southampton uh, and get the three points. And I think that they're more than capable of uh, of winning quite handsomely on Tuesday. Yeah, Stinch, this is the key, isn't it? We come back to this debate again and again at this point of the season. Is it better to be able to play with freedom and, you know, there's no pressure on you at all? Or do you need that competitive impetus? I mean, I think of the game... I mean, it didn't work out for them in the end. But if I think of the game I did on Saturday between Borussia Dortmund and Hertha, Dortmund had absolutely nothing to play for. And Hertha knew that if they got a point or a win, they would definitely avoid relegation. And in the first half, Hertha were amazing. And Dortmund just looked completely and utterly disinterested. Now, it went against them in the second half. But I I still haven't quite made my mind up about this whole on the beach, freedom kind of thing. It, it, it's something I guess betters have to really think about, isn't it? Yeah, I think you've finished it there perfectly. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I just think it's something you need to be aware about and need to factor in whether it's your the fact whether it's you factor it in the way you price it or maybe you factor in uh, the way you stake it. You know, I don't know if you're going to have like one point on your bet and you're like oh okay well I need to be aware of of motivation so I'll just maybe reduce it to 0.75 point in terms of stakes Um, yeah it's something in my mind it's something very difficult to quantify Uh, I'm not sure but I would be it would be really interesting obviously to to listen or I mean they they never probably would reveal but you know the professional syndicates and and the Asian gamblers how they try and quantify it um, because what happens is, is often you'll see uh, a team shorten because of the, the need to win, for example, but then everybody else will just copy and the, the price will get yeah. overbacked. So then the closing price is, is, which we talk about a lot, is the most accurate. In those occasions, it isn't actually as accurate as it, as it should be. So then you can't really use that base to, to work on to, to the next game. So yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot of noise and it's it, this is like a really difficult part of the season to try and try and assess that. I think Jake you know, makes a makes a very valid point regarding Southampton's um, performances or, or underlying numbers is very similar to that of Norwich's, and obviously Norwich have had a have had a turgid season. It's very difficult to see, you know, Southampton come into this game and 
you can't I don't think you can just switch back on that competitive edge I think it's quite difficult um, although having said that with Liverpool obviously it's a very quick turnaround after Saturday's 120 minutes and you know I'm unsure on the, on the fitness of Salah, Van Dijk and Fabinho and I think it's understandable that Liverpool probably keeping that information close to their chest so maybe worth waiting to see what the the lineups actually are um, and maybe that's maybe that's why the price is arguably a little bit higher than perhaps it would be if, if that information was, was already known. Um, but I think one of the things that Jurgen Klopp's done really well is obviously managing the, the schedule. I think that's been one of his main tasks. Yeah. I, it might sound a bit mad saying this, but it's been his main task alongside winning matches. Like, you think about the fact that they got the ties kind of done in terms of against like Inter and Benfica and probably what they thought against Villarreal so that they could just manage the second legs and not have to actually try and win the game obviously against Villarreal it was got a bit tougher but I think that was you know one of the great things about football you know it, it only takes uh, one goal can can change things massively but obviously they had they had two goal advantage in, in all of those so yeah I think he's done a really good job of managing the squad you see when he sort of picks uh, you know Canate and sometimes instead of Matip um, he played uh, Simicas, uh, where Villa instead of Robertson, and Robertson wasn't even in the squad um, to give him, you know, the whole the whole time off. So I think he's done a really good job in in terms of managing the squad. But I think one thing that's kind of been noticeable there is seven of their last away get away eight away games they haven't won by more than a single goal, and I kind of feel that comes back to this managing victories and managing the squad, not going out to kind of blowing teams away. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when Liverpool won the title two years ago, 15 of their 30 wins came by a, a single goal. And the first sort of three or four months of that season were very much just a machine like winning. A lot of those wins came at the beginning of the season when they would, you know, they knew the schedule. They, internally, they probably have a lot of different targets set in terms of, you know, they look at the expected points and what they should be achieving and what they, you know, expect to achieve and, and go out and do do enough. Because I think Klopp has had it labelled at him before that his teams, you know, run out of gas. I think that was a very lazy um, title that was probably um, pinned to him when he first arrived at Liverpool, that his teams, you know, aren't able to, to manage their schedules. And I think he's done a, a very good job of, of doing that. I mean, so I looked at Liverpool to win by a single goal, but I wasn't really that enticed at the the five to two. And and having said all of having said all of that, the record against Southampton is actually quite good. Won eight of the last nine by an aggregate score of twenty three to three. Um, and you know, we've talked about South, Southampton being on the beach for a while, and that's kind of reflected in failing to win eight of their last nine games. But they did beat Arsenal one nil in that run, so I don't think Liverpool can go into this game lightly at all. Really interesting, Jake mentioned about um, InfoGoal's expected uh, percentage for Liverpool to win the title. I think he said 13%. Was that right, Jake? Yeah. Um, looking at the title odds, Liverpool chalked up at 7.5, 7 13-2. So that's very much almost spot on, really, with, with the 13%. I think if you're looking for some manoeuvrability, obviously, you know, if you're backing Liverpool to win the league, you need... You need a few results there. You need Liverpool to win both their games, really, and obviously City not to beat Villa. I think if you're looking down that route, you're probably better just betting City not to beat Villa if you wanted to have a bet now, um, because even if it didn't make the final day of the season, your bet is still live kind of thing, whereas if you bat yeah. them to win the league. So maybe that's a, a better angle. But yeah, I just think at this point in time, not knowing what the teams are and the way Liverpool have managed the schedule with you know just getting, just getting the three points essentially not 
being concerned with racking up the goals. Um, also, I think very, very prevalent is when Liverpool went to Crystal Palace in 2014 and were 3-0 up and thought, oh yeah, we might be able to overturn the goal difference and actually ended up even winning the game. So that's something to it's be very wary about. a slightly different Liverpool team now, though. Yes, I think mentality is huge. I think this Liverpool team, no doubt about it, you see the penalty shootout at the weekend. To win another one on penalty shootout, that's three victories against a very, very good Chelsea team on penalty shootouts in trophies in the last few years. And I don't think that's a surprise. So, yeah, Liverpool have got this mentality and I don't think they'll take anything for granted in this game. But in terms of trying to find a, a bet, I'm happy to, to hang my hat on. I, I think there's I think it's difficult without knowing what the, the, the 11 is going to be. I think against Villa, for example, Klopp, I think he made five changes and you saw the odds drift. So that's something to be aware, wary of, definitely. Now, I know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Jake, the battle to survive relegation from the Premier League is going to be very tight anyway, but it's whether Everton are going to be part of that grim dance or not. Uh, they need to beat Crystal Palace on Thursday to make absolutely sure that they're OK. But they blew it against Brentford. I know they had a man sent off, but, you know, it wasn't a particularly great performance. So how do you see this one shaping up? Because we're here again, aren't we? Palace, do they care? Are they on the beach? Does it matter? But actually, they're quite dangerous, Palace, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is a really, t- really tricky game for Everton. And, and the same, I thought, uh, for of the game against Brentford, because um, neither Brentford or Palace have thrown the towel in and done what Southampton have done effectively. Because they were on the similar amount of points only 10 games ago, maybe slightly behind Southampton. And both of uh, they've not taken the foot off the gas. And I think that comes from the managers. I think they're very, um, the managers, uh, Vieira and Thomas Frank in particular, they both, they want more from the squad. They want more. They, they can see the potential top half finish. That'd be a huge result for both. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, we don't know behind the scenes, there might be some, you know, if, if you reach this number of points, then you might get a bonus as a players that those kind of things might factor in. Um, but all, I don't think either Vieira or Frank will let them uh, just coast towards the end of the season, uh, those two teams in particular. And that's sort of what happened um, for Brentford. Uh, they went 1-0 down early doors and that, that was the right, you know, the opportunity if they were to sort of sack it off to just do so. Because you're 1-0 down, you can just sort of cruise through the rest of the game, maybe lose 1 or 2 nil. No one's going to bat an eyelid and think that you'd throw in the towel in. But they didn't. They just they went for, for Everton at the same the same amount as what Everton went for them and, and ultimately got the win. And I, I'm expecting Palace to do similar. Um, I think that the price about Everton to win this game is just artificially short. I think that they they don't warrant to be around the 10 to 11 mark on the sports book. Um, that's basically saying that they are, at a neutral venue, a better team than Palace, but they're not, quite simply. Um, and it's what we discussed earlier, the fact that the Everton need to win and Crystal Palace don't is what's driven the price down. Um, and I think that we can make take advantage of that to, to some extent. Um, and just opposing Everton, I think that, they, they, they're, like I said, they're way too short. Um, there's a couple of ways you can do it. If you want to lay them on the exchange around uh, 2.05, I, I would happily do that. Um, but I think taking Palace plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap, which is effectively the same bet, um, uh, but that's around the even money mark. So if Everton do win, you're, you're liable to lose more money by laying them at 2.05 um, than back in Palace plus 0.5. Um, I always yeah. think it's a good it's a good thing to offer people an alternative to laying as well, isn't it? Because I think psychologically, we know laying can be a really good bet, but I think psychologically some people don't go for it. So it's always good to have that other option, isn't it? 
Yes, if you're laying Everton at, uh, at 1.05, then you're liable to 1.05 worth of your stake. Whereas if you're back in Palace plus 0.5 in the Asian handicap to the same like one point stake, you're only going to lose one point. So I mean, we're talking tiny amounts um, if you're betting small amounts, but it's it can be you know if you're betting 100 pound on each, you know it's costing you an extra bit of money that you could potentially put elsewhere. So uh, Palace plus 0.5. Um, Everton they've been really strong at home under Lampard uh, in general since he took over. But they have had issues creating chances. It's 1.19 expected goals for per game is what they've averaged at, uh, in, in attack. Um, that's actually the third worst in the league since Lampard took over from a, a, a from a home attacking process. So they're not creating a lot of chances. And I think what we've seen um, from the eye test in particular is that they've won matches against the likes of United, Chelsea. They've won matches on fine margins. Um, and that is not a sustainable way of winning football matches and collecting points. It's not a well, reliable Pickford's way. Pickford's been a big part of it, hasn't he? With some he has, of his he's, saves. He's made some good saves and he's needed to because they've they've been missing um, quite a lot of key defensive personnel. I think there was a there was a shot yesterday in the Brentford game. You've got um, Godfrey, Yerry Mina sat on the uh, injury list, basically, on the on the injured bench, um, along with the likes of Van der Beek, who I forgot was there, to be honest, <laughs> along with Deli Alley. Um, Poor old Donny Van der Beek. He must I be know. delighted that Ten Hag's taking over at United. He's the only person who likes me. Get me in the team. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for Van der Beek, but yeah. we'll see. That's Ten Hag will probably issue. sell him anyway, won't he, in the summer? <laughs> just to keep... <laughs> oh, that'd be the ultimate brutality, wouldn't it? <laughs> if, he, if he rocks up at training on the opening weekend. Hi, Eric, how have you been? Oh, hi, Donny. Yeah, um, uh, could you go into the office and just have a word about some paperwork, please? And yeah. he's on his way. I think that'd be a bit brutal. It would, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility because he hasn't adapted to English football. For, for as little game time as he's had, he hasn't adapted very well. Um uh, but yeah, just in, just Everton, I think that they are very vulnerable, particularly, as I've said, they've got major defensive issues. Michael Keane was ill last, uh, for the game. They now lost Branthwaite through um, a red card as well. So they are light on numbers at the back. Um, and Crystal Palace, I think you remember we spoke about them, particularly away from home. The fact that their process was really poor compared to the home process around the mid-season mark. They've actually improved that um, quite drastically uh, to the point where they're actually winning the XG battle more regularly away from home which is a massive positive ahead of next season. Uh, and it I is... heard Vieira plays your comments before every away game. Yeah, That's I, what I got them going. You heard, I heard that he actually typed out my comments and put it on the away dressing room wall. Yeah, just to, yeah, yeah. Classic um, manager style, yeah. All day yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm taking credit. Um, but yeah, they, they've, they've won three of the last six away from home. Uh, they've only lost two in that time. And I do feel as though they are sort of coming to the boil um, and finishing the season very well from a results and a process standpoint, which I think, I don't think it can be underestimated the fact that finishing a season strongly, it can really benefit them starting a season well next next time around, um, especially if they can keep the core group of players together. You just have that momentum and, and that feel-good factor throughout the summer. And then if you start adding key players as well and, and bringing in good signings, that just gets only, it's only going better and be- better. So um, I do think that Palace have got, absolutely everything that you need to go to Goodison Park and get a result. And I think that's what they'll do. And if they do do that, then we're going to have a really fascinating final day uh, when it comes to the relegation battle, because obviously Burnley, I think, play on Thursday night as well. Uh, I think they're at Villa. But then, you know, if they get a point there, then there's only a couple of points or maybe one point separating all three teams, Leeds, Everton and Burnley going into the final day. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think Palace will keep Everton in it at the very least. Well, elsewhere, the EFL playoffs are well underway. Stinch, you've got a game from League Two for us. Yeah, trying to follow on with the Premier League theme. I'm looking at 
a Premier League midfielder to score in the League Two playoffs at odds of seven to one. Absolutely ginormous. I mean, and this is before you even look into his numbers. If I, you know, I, if I told you you could back a Premier midfielder at seven to one to score three divisions below, you'd be like, take my money now. Like, yeah. Great price. Um, it's Matty Longstaff to score for Mansfield on uh, Wednesday evening in the second leg of their playoff against Northampton at Sixfields. Uh, Northampton trailing 2-1 from the first leg. So I think there's going to be a time in the game when they're going to have to push on and attack and that could leave space for, for Mansfield to get to get at Northampton. Although having said that, he's got six goals in 17 games, which is a very, very good return. And that already includes against the top two, Forest Green and Exeter. Also scored against Tranmere and Sutton, who were also pushing for playoffs until the very late on the season. Uh, he's averaging 1.5 shots per game and, and one of those per game is coming inside the penalty area. So he's getting himself in really good positions uh, in that sort of number eight role, box to box. Um, Northampton have got the best defence in League Two. And you conceded 38 in 46 in the, in the regular league season, but already conceded two in the first leg. And as I say, I think that kind of goes out of the window a little bit with the, the tie dynamic. I mean, this is a guy that scored home and away against Man United a couple of seasons ago. And I'm talking about can he manage to find the net against Northampton. So I don't think now, you even need to worry about that too much. I'm going to show up my lack of EFL knowledge. And I never pretend to have any knowledge of the EFL as I look at a lot of different European leagues. How on earth has he ended up at Mansfield? I honestly don't know, to be honest. I know Nigel Clough's doing like a, done a really good job since he came in. Like Mansfield were almost sort of, I think they were like bottom six for the beginning of the season and, and they went on a really good run under Nigel Clough. I don't know if there's something to do with Clough knowing a, an agent or whether uh, Longstaff, somebody's told Clough about, you know, his dad and that sort of thing and the offer came up because he was at Aberdeen at the beginning of the season but he wasn't, I don't think he was really doing much there, Longstaff and um, it's not as if Mansfield's in the north of England either so it's close to his home or whatever so I don't, honestly, I don't really know how it's happened. Um, it could be just one of those strange things you get in football like Mascarano and Tevez rocking up at West Ham um, just something <laughs> yeah. something a- absolutely bizarre um, so yeah we'll just take advantage like it could be that Mansfield obviously lose this and don't make the final and that's the end of his loan so yeah maybe this could be the last chance to kind of get involved so take advantage what I will say though in the first leg he went off after after an hour so I'm not sure regarding his fitness might have been a tactical change they were already 2-0 up at that point so I'll just double check the the team news but just kind of want to like marry up with what you started at the beginning Kev where you said with promotion and and relegation and and title wins you get a lot of uh, dramatic matches Northampton mentally must be absolutely reeling after final day of the season. They they needed um, they needed to be a, a huge goal swing that involved Bristol Rovers scoring at least seven against Scunthorpe, and Northampton themselves scored three. So they must have thought it was done and dusted or Mac promotion. Then Bristol Rovers scored seven. They must can't believe that they're in this position yeah. being 2-1 down just mentally must be all over the place so yeah I think I think there will be opportunities for Mansfield on, on the counter-attack and uh, yeah I'd say Longstaff's He's missed a couple of big chances recently as well. There's the game on uh, game on Sky Sports against Salford. He missed a really good chance at the back post. So he's very good at finding himself in, in these areas. And yeah, and I think on the counter attack, and given the fact that Northampton mentally must be fragile, I think there will be really good opportunities here for for this bet. 
Well, that's all we have time for on this special midweek edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on betting.betfair.com. Going to be several articles on there ahead of the Europa League final. We'll also build up uh, to the Serie A conclusion as well. Of course, still a title race in Serie A between Milan and Inter. From Jake, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.